Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. I'm your host, Jillian Moss-Backman, and this is week two of the series I call Change, Can't Live With It, Can't Live Without It. If you could change one thing instantly about yourself right now, what would that be? You know, I know this sounds silly, but my greatest goal at the moment is to learn how to change and be better at multitasking. I seem to struggle managing several projects all at once, and in my mind's eye, I keep seeing this juggling guy, you know, a juggler, and they're throwing up the balls, and they're working on keeping several balls lined up in a row and suspended in air. The mere thought of that boggles my mind, and I know you probably think that's really silly for most of you, and somewhat insignificant, I suppose, on the older on the overall scheme of issues in everybody's life. But I'm telling you, it really bothers me, and I feel incomplete at the end of my work day because I fight through bouts of frustration about this like everybody else, and then I can feel and sense myself when I'm tipping over into that reactive zone with my own thoughts and eventually my actions. And I know myself enough now that if I keep pushing through these frustrations, I better do something different, like step away and let the frustration come down, or I'll probably suffer from making a nasty decision and regret the changes later. We've all done that many times over. And then usually what happens is you have to double back and redo the whole thing all over again anyway. I bring this up in this moment because if you'll recall on Tuesday's program, I brought forth a discussion on reactive and proactive changes. I asked each one of you to start taking mental notes of your relationship that you've had with change in the past. Go back and reread those descriptions, but I ask that you figure out which ones Describe your changes and how you do those in your life so far. Reactive, as I stated last week, is is about making changes out of pure frustration and anger. And are you able to know yourself enough to step back, assess your options, and create changes before the crisis occurs? If you didn't hear that program, please go back to my website at JillianMossBackman.com, and I'll spell it for you. It's J-I-L-L-I-A-N-M-A-A-S-B-A-C-K-M-A-N.com, 
or at Blog Talk Radio, which is Blog Talk Radio slash Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice with Jillian. And listen to those archive sections that are available for the programs I've already done. What I wanted to say is that, you know what, it's really a mixture of both. I think if people were real honest, they would say we make both reactive and proactive models of change in our lives. Sometimes the best thing that we can do to assert change comes out of frustration and anger. And, you know, every once in a while that in certain cases this kind of reactive recourse may be the only option available at that particular time and space. But like my my multitasking issue I'm working on, it's okay for the short term right now, but eventually I'm going to have to take better steps in defining and figuring out a more proactive approach to the challenge that I have of multitasking. The difference here is that I have the confidence and the trust that it's only a matter of time served and attempts before I figure this little puzzle out because I really want to and because it will be better for me in the long run. I won't keep getting frustrated all the time. You have to keep in line with the ultimate goal of change from the very beginning. The whole idea is that we all gravitate away from the reactive model of change, which can be self-destructive at times. And we need to keep striving towards that more proactive model of change completely on the other side of the scale. But once you find yourself committing to this kind of dynamics, the proactive changes will start coming on their own. And you'll be able to identify what I call your divine process of growth. In the second segment after the break, I want to talk about cliff diving or rabbit hopping through change. When I was setting up the venue for my shows and the actual schedule, I really wanted to add some kind of human interest story as in the middle of each one of my shows. Because for after a while, human development work like what we're talking about gets a little too heavy in a 30-minute show. We only have so much time to cover groundwork for development, and it builds upon itself each week as we go. So I thought it would be nice to break up that heaviness with some kind of light human interest stories. So I've really been striving to locate personal stories or human interest stories that carry a more positive message and add value to the topic at hand. Well, I'm giving you forewarning before I start into my rant and rave for the week. This story in particular, however, that I'm going to present today, I had to do a boatload of spinning to turn this negative situation and story into positive. So here it goes. Bear with me on this one. 
I watched one of the most incredulous examples of reactive model of change that I've been talking about for the last two weeks on television. You know, for no particular reason, I've never been a fan of Dr. Phil's show, not because I don't think he's any good at what he does. I really believe in his sincerity in serving the public as best he can in the forum for which he's found himself. But you've got to give it to the guy. He's very good at isolating hot topics, buttons that push people's passions, both positive and negative. And those passions always seem to come out when they get on stage with Dr. Phil. Well, for some reason, I was channel surfing, and I happened to stumble onto his show. And I was sitting there just watching him do this, and all I could think of was, Dr. Phil, you've fallen headfirst into the sticky, icky web of feuding moms from the hit show Toddlers and Tierras. Did any of you see this this week? I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was sickening to see these two grown women who happened to be the moms of some of the children on this show. I I barely, I don't watch that one either. I can't. But anyway, they were like going at each other in this public forum on Dr. Phil's show. I'm telling you, they were way beyond the boundaries of simple frustration and anger. They were actually teetering on the edge of violence. And you could just feel the whole crowd and the stress level rising in the audience. And I was watching it, and I could even feel my own stress level going up. And I wasn't even in the place. I mean, I'm watching it on television from a distance. There was knots in my stomach, and it took me a few minutes to calm myself down from what I was watching. You could tell that they were totally consumed in this intense moment by what we've been talking about, those reactive decisions, and they were making them one right after the other. I mean, they were just the nonstop. There was not any hesitation for thought. They didn't calm down. They were just revising and changing up their arguments as they went along to fit in the next indignant comment that was coming their way, it was like this bouncy ball of anger, frustration, violence. It was just horrible. So by the time the interview was almost done, they were completely incensed with rage. And I'm not talking anger. We're talking rage. And even Dr. Phil seemed to be out of sorts with the whole thing. You know, he's pretty good at handling what comes up and throughout those interviews that he does on stage. But I have to admit, he even looked like he was being taken off guard by the depths of their hatred that they were showing and demonstrating towards each other. They had lost sight of what the whole idea of this toddlers and Tierra had come about, their children. And I really believe his intentions were in the right place to presenting the raw footage for all of us to see. But as I was watching and I started thinking, it begs the question, when is enough enough? 
you know, it doesn't stop with this kind of show. There's a litany of other programs that shed a horrible light on both men and women who have learned this abusive, reactive way to affect change. You know, in a sense, it's like modern-day bullies. And it's so dangerous on so many levels. I don't even know where to begin. And I have to admit, there's a few programs of this nature that I used to watch faithfully. I did. I used to watch not those kind, but a little bit different. But something shifted in my life. I became a contributing author to a group called Times Up. It's a group comprised of diverse professionals that are donating their expertise and their time to educate and stop this kind of lunacy. So because of that and my own personal growth, I've really changed my opinion on this kind of programming out in the world. I used to label this kind of stuff entertainment, but now it's become sincerely voyeuristic. Don't you think it feels like we're watching something unfold that we really shouldn't be a part of? But, you know, like they say, it's like watching a bad train wreck. You just can't take your eyes off it. And I was watching these two women, and you could just feel that they were out of control and they were going to head to a collision of some kind. When are we going to recognize as an intellectual society that we've passed that line of that land in I'm sorry, that line of sand into absurdity? It was just absurd that I was actually watching this. I asked myself, when are we going to know when we've passed that threshold of no return? When are we willing to keep turning a blind eye to this kind of programming and give in to this low vibrational ignorance? Because it's weird. They seem with each and every new season, it ups the ante. There's more arguments. There's more drama. And even in extreme cases, violence. I really have to argue, is that what we're what is that what the public wants to watch now really? And programs like mine are being cast aside to make way for the more sensational. You know, that may be true at the moment, but I am an eternal optimist. And I really believe that the wind of change is among us now. There are groups forming throughout this country that reflect this more quiet majority of making headway to move from a, a reactive kind of society to what happens to you to a more proactive society that wants to change a more calmer way. And it's expanding each and every day. We do have control over our future, but each one of us have to decide which side we're going to play on. Are you going to play on the reactive side like the mothers I saw on television? Or are you going to head to the proactive team of choice in your own homes? You have to decide and make a decision quickly. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) 
that's enough of the heavy. After the break, I want to go into a lighter topic of proactive change. The wild coyote and his constant companion, the roadrunner. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Thank you for indulging me just a short moment to step on my soapbox there. I didn't mean to get so enraged about it, but I thought it needed to be said. So I promise next week I'll go back to my happy human interest stories and we can just talk about something a little more light. Now back to work we go. You know, for some, the word change represents a negative connotation. No matter how you slice it, it's always going to be bad. There's nothing good about change. It can't lead to anything more powerful in your life or even happiness. And I have to admit, to a certain extent, they have a very good point. Of course, every one of us will face challenges that may not feel good in the middle of the transition. But I believe the problem that they have is they stop dead center in the middle of the pain instead of forging through it to the finish line of change. And the mere suggestion that alterations could possibly be entertaining the fact that it might actually be fun is like crazy talk. (laughs) But for the next few minutes, Let's have a go at it. Let's see if I can make this a little more enjoyable through our transitions. I want you to awaken your childhood imagination just for a few moments and think back to your favorite cartoon character when you were a kid. Mine was Wild Coyote and the Roadrunner. On Tuesday's program, I referred to changes 
as tiers of continuous growth spurts and learning curves. It will repeat itself a thousand times over between now and the day you pass from this life into the next. And I'm telling you, the quicker that you learn to adapt to this kind of truth, the easier change will become for you. In fact, for me, change represents new explorations and expansions in the mind, the body, and the soul. You have to learn to flow with the energy of change, how to bob and weave with the alterations as they come to you. And you have to be able to divine to devise your divine pattern of growth within that process. You're going to learn that I love creative visualizations because 65 to 75% of us are visual learners. In other words, we learn through visual pictures, whether that's out in the world or in our mind's eye, in our conscious thoughts. In the idea of creative visualization, to a sense you're resetting visual pictures in your mind as transformational tools for change. I want to bring up the example of the cute little picture that I posted on the Blog Talk show last Tuesday. If you want to go back, look at that, and what it demonstrates to you is burst of brain pleasure. The cartoon character Wiley Coyote was famous for getting himself into precarious situations, right? He was constantly chasing after his feathered nemesis, the road runner. And in that uh, constant journey of catch and fetch, he was always taking risky choices. I couldn't understand that when I was a little kid. It's like, dude, quit doing that. But for some reason, he'd keep doing those kind of things. He'd get himself in these strange predicaments, like portray, like when he was diving off a cliff. Do you remember that scene? And he would flap his wings as fast as possible just so he wouldn't hit the bottom and hurt himself or more than that, succumb to his terrible demise. This image describes perfectly a person who I label as a cliff diver with change. Some of you may label it in your own lives as an A-type personality, except I think that's a little boxy. I don't think, you know, when people say that, sometimes it has a connotation of being negative. Cliff divers, on the other hand, are not a way of being negative. It's just a pattern of proactive growth spurts that we go through. Like the coyote, they go big with their risks and changes. They like to go hand in hand, and they wait between risk and change for the right time to jump off that cliff. They seem to jump directly into the path of modification with very little fear until they realize what they've just done. Like the coyote, their eyes 
look like silver dollars, and they scramble through their brain to make choices to gain a softer landing. Now, there's some advantages to being a cliff diver. The jump is usually preceded by cycles of internal thinking and planning that's not obvious to the outside world. In other words, they just don't go running off a cliff because they feel like it. You may not see it, but I think they've done some preemptive thinking before the actual act of jumping. They're pretty good at going with the flow once they've made the decision to jump into change. They're completely flexible and adapt as needed to the creative options as they come along. Remember I talked about that last week, that proactive growth spurts mean you have to be willing to see what's right in front of you, but also where you're going. And these kind of people are pretty flexible about doing that. They love to tackle change in large chunks instead of small calculated pieces. And when, you're, when you see this kind of growth pattern in others, it usually represents a person who's completed one cycle of learning and they are good and ready to take on the next growth spurt with gusto. They don't mess around with one lesson at a time. They like to do many lessons at a time. Now, the rabbit hoppers in the example is the roadrunner. In the cartoon, the roadrunner barely even ventures out of the safety of the highway. They like to stay close to the chosen path they, they're on. And unlike cliff divers, they have no problem with starts and stops. Although it appears they're slow in motion to change, they do eventually arrive at the finish line just like the rest of us. As the name implies, they enjoy change in calculated hops, breaking down lessons that come their way into workable insights. They take change literally one hop at a time. However, sometimes they're so focused on what's in front of them and the next hop or the next change they want to make, they have a tendency to miss the fork in the road containing a better choice. Now, if we combine both of those together, there's something to glean from both kinds of these proactive models of change. This week, I want you to observe your habits and your patterns. Play around with the options you're drawn to first. And use these suggestions as mind teasers, not protocol for what you need to do. They're teasers that you can get yourself thinking about change in a whole new way. It's unfortunate many times because in traditional therapies, we want everyone to become a rabbit hopper. Well, rabbit hoppers in small increments are good for some, but coyotes and cliff divers are good for others. You can't make a coyote into a road runner, and you can't make a road runner or a rabbit hopper into a cliff diver or coyote. You have to figure out which divine pattern of growth is yours and make it personal. It reflects your own particular lifestyle. 
should pick and choose the the pointers that I gave you that seem to resonate with you. Read over the list a couple times, and you'll find over time you'll start creating your own transition and your own growth patterns to enjoying the future much better. Next week, I want to start something that I just love, something a little more etheric in nature. I don't know if you guys are aware of the great debate that's going on in a more spiritual realm of destiny or free will choice. I'm going to, I'm going to be bringing in my first guest who is well-versed on this subject. And we're going to have a lively debate on free will choice and destiny. Make sure that you attend, as always, on air, on live with Block Talk Radio. Go to my website to get the rest of the shows at JillianMossStackman.com. You can find me on Facebook, as always, and tweet me at Jillian at JillianMossStackman.com. <laughs> 